Ladies and gents, the Huddle Crew is back, episode 83. We are hyped to bring, bring this show live to you with the hottest sports debates, the hottest sports takes, and the crew is back, per usual, the real Leal. Cam Jones, a.k.a. Coach Mello, Zach Kroll, and myself, Kenny C. Fellas, last show of the new year, how are we feeling? Goodbye, 2020. Listen, man, at this point, I'm just glad to see another year. That's all I got to say. I'm just glad to see another year. This year has been an ultimate disaster. And I'm, I'm pretty sure a lot of people that's watching this daggone video is saying amen to that. So I'm just glad that I can limp into 2021 and, and be able to have some fun for the rest of my life. All right, I'm ready to get this damn show on the road. Gentlemen, 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 it's the last Monday of the year, man. I must say, we were just in week one not too long ago. We are already in week 16, about to head to week 17. God damn it, guys. Wow. Been one hell of a year, man, but let's finish the year strong, man. 2021, we're ready for you, baby. Boys, what's up? Hope everyone's doing well. I just wanted to say, you know, Ken mentioned it, that the, the football season's been flying by, but I, and Will said it himself, you know, 2020, it's been a crazy year. But one thing I will say is this. I remember when the pandemic first hit, and we were on the show talking about, you know, some Michael Jordan documentary. We didn't know, you know, how exactly we we're going to go through time. And now all of a sudden, football season, we're here week 16. And this show has really been one of the main positives to come out of 2020. So thank you guys for having me. Let's get to it. Of course, it's always a pleasure to chef it up with you fellas. We're going to get right into this thing with our reactions and takeaways from the Dolphins defeating the Raiders 26 to 25. What a damn game at the end there. It was a, a very, very interesting game. Probably top five games this year in the NFL. I want to shout out the Hardy brothers, Ryan Fitzpatrick and Tua, for winning that tag team match against the Raiders. And that's exactly what it was. And you know what? I'm not going to lie. I know me and Zach had a debate before. Um, I, I, I kind of was excited. It was exciting to see Ryan Fitzpatrick come in the game because Tua was struggling Ryan Fitzpatrick came in the game and ultimately gave that offense right away a boost, throwing wide receivers open and, and all that good stuff. And obviously he made the magical play at the end of the game to win the game, which was that, you know, pass to Mac Hollins at the sideline with his face mask being yanked. So, yeah, shout out to the Hardy brothers. They did their thing. It, I, it was exciting to see. But my biggest takeaway is that I really believe if the Dolphins have any hope of winning playoff games, Ryan Fitzpatrick needs to be the starting quarterback because he has experience. He saw it all before. You know why he was able to come in that game um, late in the game and do what he do? Because it was never a defense he hadn't seen with his tenure in the NFL. So they need to start Ryan Fitzpatrick going forward. I don't even know why they took him out from Jump Street. All right, you saw what the rookie's made of. He's not ready just yet. Let Ryan Fitzpatrick do his thing. Yeah, I think when you look at the Dolphins, this is one of the more fascinating teams in the NFL this season, just because they're kind of in that line in between. They're competing for their playoff berths, but at the same time, they have a kid in Tua who, yeah, they drafted, they put a lot of stock in, but at the same time, this is a Dolphin team that now has, the, uh, if the draft would be uh, right now, they would have the number three pick with that Texans pick. So the Dolphins, I thought, going into this game, going into this season, really needed to see what exactly Tua is made of. But my main takeaway with this game is that I absolutely loved Brian Flores and his attitude of, I don't care what the media says, uh, if I'm damaging Tua's attitude, I don't care what anyone, uh, what anyone in the media says, how I should be doing this. He said, look, 
I think Ryan Fitzpatrick gives us the best chance to win this game right now. And he brought him in. Will, I, I remember that exact uh, conversation you brought up against Denver when they decided to bench Tua and bring in Ryan Fitzpatrick. And here's the thing. I actually loved the way Brian Flores was handling this. I think that with that number three pick with the Dolphins that they have next year and everything that they've invested in Tua, I think that they've had to find out what exactly this kid is made of. Because let's face it, when you watch him compared to Justin Herbert, compared to Joe Burrow, he doesn't necessarily pop right away. And I think that is going to be a question that Miami and the rest of their organization is going to have to answer. But I love how Brian Flores said, look, we are fighting in a game for our playoff lives. Do I think Tua is our starting quarterback? Yeah, okay, that's what he uh, went into the game going in saying. But at the same time, he wasn't afraid to pull the plug when everyone is out there saying, oh, don't damage his confidence, don't damage his confidence. No, Brian Flores was doing whatever it took for his team to win the game, and I give him a lot of credit for that. I mean, I'm out to beg to differ with both of you guys. You know, I kind of question it. Brian Flores, you drafted Tua with the number five overall pick in the 2020 NFL draft. You know, you know for a fact, you, you've seen this kid played in college. You've seen his injury history or, you know, whatever. But I just feel like, you know, you need to give him confidence, bro. I believe in order for someone to succeed, they have to fail first. Let him fail. Let him learn from his mistake. But if you're going to continue having this mindset, bringing in Fitzpatrick, you know, when shit hit the ceiling, bro, it's just like, how would this kid learn? How would this kid develop? You get what I mean? And, you know, down the line, I understand, you know, Tua's attitude character, you know, shows that, hey, he's a team first guy. But at the same time, too, like deep inside, I know probably he feels some type of way. Like, mm-hmm. dang, like, like this coach don't really you know, believe in me, you know, in four quarters. You get what I mean? Mind you now, there's 60 minutes in the game. Even though don't even run, like, he was struggling tremendously against the Raiders. Only, only had 96 yards of throwing, of passing offense, I mean. But I just felt like, you know, Flores, like it's going to haunt you down the line. Like you're going to continue having this mindset. And mind you now, Fitzpatrick is only getting older, gentlemen. It's not like he's going to be in the, in the league to the next five to ten years from now. You know, two is the future. So, by all means, necessary, let the kid fail now. Let him learn from his mistake, and you know, from down the line, he's going to get better as the you know as time progresses. I just want to say real quickly before KDC get in here, Cam, me and you are on the same page. I said it was fun to see Ryan Fitzpatrick come in the game. But fun could be psychotic sometimes. You know, sometimes you have fun and it's psycho. You know it's not going to work. Let me just have fun right now. That's what I meant. I didn't like it, though. You know, going forward, I don't like it. Uh, Lil, you you hit the nail right on the head in that Fitzpatrick should be their starter. Moving forward at this point in the season, you're 10-5 and right now. Flores has coached wonders this year with what he has. And prior to Tua getting his start, we saw, not Fitzpatrick, we saw Fitzmagic. He was bowling out up until that point, and even he was shocked. But what do great leaders do and great veterans do? They say, all right, I'll take the backseat for the team. He did that. Now, he never – it's evident he didn't lose any of that mojo that he had going on. It was just bottled up and waiting to be unleashed, and that's what we saw at the end of that game. I mean, from, from the minute he got put in in the fourth quarter – the whole offense looked like they looked lit up compared to what Tua was doing throughout the entire game. They looked stagnant, way too many three and outs, both by both sides, by both offenses. But if we're looking at the Dolphins here, I mean, it looked flat out stagnant, fellas. And Fitzpatrick comes in, they drive the field for the field goal. Then the next drive, Gaskin takes it the distance for a touchdown. And then he makes arguably the play of the year to set up a field goal, Fitzpatrick does. I mean, I think this was the right move because in big-time situations, you need to make big-time decisions, and Flores made the right decision. And I do agree with you, Lee. I think moving forward, 
they need a rock with Fitzpatrick because he was hot once and he's still hot right now. And if they want to get far, they need that veteran talent in there, I feel like, rather than to lean on their rookie to get them far in these playoffs. All right, here's my thing I want to throw at you guys for a second, though. Let's just say Brian Flores listens to you guys and says, all right, Ryan Fitzpatrick is the starting quarterback next week, and we're going to let him ride till whenever. If you guys – I know Will mentioned it a couple weeks ago. I think doing that would be the move that just ruins Tua's confidence. I think if you say, okay, Tua, look, you're the starter, but we're going to bench you like you did against the Raiders, at least you're giving him – a chance to prove himself. One thing I always said is when we're out here watching football and the left tackle screws up or the right tackle screws up, what do we say? Get that bum out of the game. Even if two it's different positions, Zach, two okay, different but, positions. Okay. But two what, different situations. What, where is the rule that says you're not allowed to, to, to do that with quarterback? I mean, there's, there's not a rule, but it's something called being smart. Zach, let me tell you something up. Uh, look, the Dolphins has played a dangerous game by subbing out Tua. Now they're going to be addicted to it. Now anytime Tua struggles, it's like, all right, put Fitzpatrick in. Now the media is going to want them to do it. Now they're going to expect them to do it and be like, why you do? Why you? Why didn't you do it? So they put themselves in a position where they're trying to see what Tua is made of but still win games. And they can't do both. It's either they're going to try to win playoff games or they're going to try to see what the rookie is made of. They're going to have to choose. They're going to have to sell to one side. They can't keep playing both sides. It's but not going to end well for them. If, if I'm the Dolphins too, look at this season they've had in a team that should have been looked at as, all right, yeah, this team is going to rebuild. You know, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. And look at what they've done. What they've done. The last time they made the playoffs was 2016, and they had a wild card exit. Right, I get it, they want, does you... the fan base want the same thing to happen if you have to rely on Tua, your rookie? No, but how could you go? How could you if you start if you start Fitzpatrick for the rest of the season, right? How could you go into next season thinking Tua is your quarterback? That would ruin his confidence. Well, well first I mean, of all, I think taking him out of the game is ruining his age. confidence. He's not going to be their starter for the next five exactly. years. Tua knows no, he's guess, the future. It's just the one it's, year wide no, out. You're saying, what happens. wait, hold on a second. If you guys are saying that when the Dolphins next week, they control their own destiny, win and you're in, you guys are saying that if you start Ryan Fitzpatrick next week, then, you know, Tua's – why should Tua feel like he's the future? If, if, well, if, to, if he's getting well, bent because they picked number sense. five. They picked the, him with the number five pick. When you pick somebody that high for quarterback, that's saying you're the future. All right? You're the future. And Not we all know. In the winner go home game. Both guys all, know they. All good quarterbacks know that they, at some point, they have to take a seat. Especially exactly. when you're a rookie. You got to know your role. You got to know that, all right, the vets come first and I'll eventually get my shot. Exactly. But, so, but then why did they bench Fitzpatrick to begin with? Look, that's the question that we can agree on right now, it seems like. That's okay. exactly but, here's, but here's the thing, though. At the time, that was, that was I think the answer to that question is this. They have the number three pick next year. I think them – I said it at the, at the time. Them playing Tua I thought was a must-do because if he's not the answer, then next year, you if you like a quarterback, you should take him. And I, I just don't know what exactly is getting accomplished. Zach, Zach. See, I that, that, that's, that's too I, much risk. You could build a team. They need weapons. Right now, they don't have no wide receivers. I get it. No, I get it. No wide receivers. I just so, don't so, like – like right now, right? So, Tua has started what? Besides that one game against the Jets, he missed because of – If you want me to be honest with y'all, I'm going to stay – I'm going to say straight up. Y'all know me. I speak my mind whether or not you agree with it. They shouldn't have had Tua, first of all. 
they should have took Justin Herbert. Herbert yes. So they made their yes. bet and now they laying with it. And now they they making the game so conservative for Tua. I don't even think it's that Tua don't have talent. Is that they don't they something they fear about Tua. They're trying yeah, they to don't. they still got the pacifier in his mouth. You know, a lot of thinking ducks, you know, get the ball out in two seconds, you know. And it's not like how they play with Ryan Fitzpatrick. So that shows me they don't believe in the guy. They don't believe it's something that they're scared. I don't no, know if, it's will. if that's the case, though, will. Uh, here's what I think. If that's the case, though, then next year, if there's a quarterback, you're not going to have a number three pick for, you know, the Dolphins are going to be good for the next five years. They got a gift with that Texans pick. If you, if everything you're saying is true, right, that they don't, that, you know, there's something wrong with Tua, you know, they're feeding them a pacifier. They don't believe him. Okay, fine. If that's the case, though, why wouldn't you maybe take a quarterback next year? Because nah, I'm not going to have two questions. I think, I think they went wrong with even starting him this season, given how well Fitzpatrick. Wait a minute, though. But they rushed that. Know, they they rushed that. They, they should have let it rock and they see if the time was they right did. to put him in if there was a time. Right, but my you question see. is how could you – if you want to say that, okay, that's fine. But I think the reasoning that Brian Flores used, two things. One, he realized that his defense is really good, so he doesn't even need a gunslinger like Ryan Fitzpatrick in there. I, and which is why I think quarterback situation, the way Miami's handled this, I think, so far up to this point, has been perfect. Because in that's that been game garbage. No, because in that listen, in that game against the Raiders, right? You, you saw very early that clearly Tua was not getting the job done. You gave him two and so I mean they gave him That's two because he's starting That's, because they You know what you're doing by taking him out, did. Zach? You ruining his confidence. And you no, saying okay, that oh it's will. not you're ruining his confidence. You're giving him a shot. I think if you want to ruin his confidence, so, you you bench him and start Ryan Fitzpatrick next week. You gave no, him a shot and you pulled him out. So Tua you know what Tua's gonna think now? Every time I don't make a play, I know Fitzpatrick going to come in the game at some point. Where, so let me force no, this, though. What is the rule that says you can't play two quarterbacks in the game? I, it's winning Zach, them games. Ryan Zach, there's no rule. won them the game. Some things are so common sense that they, there's not a rule for it. There's yes, not a rule for it because it's common sense. Who are going solid for five win them anything? No, yes. Brian Flores deciding to pull the trigger on Ryan Fitzpatrick. That won them the game. So, so why are you week, even starting Tua? Right, won the game three quarters you, ago. you guys have said, he is the future. Next week, here's what you do. You start him, and if it's clear that he's not getting the job done, you put Fitzpatrick in. It won right, them so the game. Tell me, tell you are in a win-now situation. So you think that you're going to be able to take him out again? What if y'all getting blown out? It's too late. So and you have to stick with a guy. What if Tua messes it up? What if they're down 21-0 or 14-0? You might get a man. It's too late. For 10 and five. Then you got to win the game. Then, okay, I'll tell you, then it's one of two things. I just don't – I hate the narrative that, oh, you know, they're handling this like crap. They won the game, and their quarterback – I never said they were handling like They have crap. confidence in him. I just said – Sometimes you get lucky in certain situations. I'm just you know? saying. And, and the, the Dolphins <laughs> well, know well, their time is ticking. They man. can't sustain that throughout the Brian playoffs. Are you kidding me? If Brian Fitzpatrick is on the team next year or not, who – like, I just don't know if you're the Dolphins, right? Look, let me you tell you – You go into next – you go into – you start Fitzpatrick next week, right, as you guys are saying. You start Fitzpatrick next week. Let's say they, Fitzpatrick loses to Buffalo or, you know, chokes in the playoffs. How do you go into next season expecting Tua to be your guy when you just bailed on him? Listen. I mean, you drafted him number five for a reason. Like, if you drafted him number five, I mean, like, hey, you believe in his talent. You believe that, hey, he could But just then why are you benching him for Ryan Fitzpatrick? Listen, what happened with Pat Mahomes? He sat out for a year. If Tua's not ready, tell the rookie, look, you're not ready. We're going to let um, Ryan Fitzpatrick play this out. And then on the, in the offseason, we're training camp. We're going to come up with a better game plan and a better strategy. And we're going to take it into next year. And you're our future. You're going to be the guy next year that's going to start week one. Right now, it's not it. You're going to continue to learn. 
And if he can't take that and understand it, then he's not mentally ready for the NFL. Well, let me ask you this, though. So if, that, if, that is, if that's true, right, if Brian Flores looks at that whole situation in practice and says, okay, he's not ready, uh, clearly, you know, we're, we think Ryan Fitzpatrick is the best option. I don't understand why. I just think in the NFL in 2020, right, quarterbacks need to be ready to play right away. And you see that with Justin Herbert. You see that with Joe Burrow. And I think that when you look at Tua, the fact that you're telling him, you know, they started the season with uh, Fitzpatrick as the starter, fine. But they committed to Tua in week seven or week eight, whatever. And that was fine with me because I thought even though, okay, you could make the argument Fitzpatrick gives them the best chance to win. I thought that by doing that, they could get a good real answer on what exactly Tua is right now as a player because next so year, what do you think the Dolphins' main priority is supposed to be in that? And if you say it, it's to evaluate Tua, then you have an excellent point. If you say it's to win the playoff games, then you don't have a good point. Which one is it? They're playing two games. Exactly. You know, so... And I think Me, no, no, I don't want to win playoff games, okay, you know? Listen, this situation, I think, is so unique because that, this is literally drawing the fine line between exactly what you just said. What matters more? What is the Dolphins' main goal right now? Do they want to make the playoffs or do they want to really they find out? They clearly want to win. No, I get it. But, or do they want to, you know, find exactly, out what exactly? Case. Or they clearly want to win. I mean, you don't have to try to five season potentially no, I get it, but, and five okay, season to just go can, ahead and lose. If that's, if that's the case, though, then once again, as Will said, why were you starting Tua to begin with? You know what I mean? It, the thing is this, man. I just think that Miami's in such a unique situation where they're literally drawing the line right now between do we want to win, do we want to you know, get that wild card, or do we really want to see what Tua is as our starter? And I think the best way to do both of those two things, we have never seen this situation before. We've never seen a team fighting for their playoff lives, also with a top five uh, rookie quarterback that everyone is saying, you know, don't play him, don't play him, don't play him. Will, when you said, oh, you know, quarterback is a, a different position than left tackle, I, I think this is so unique that you may – this is a situation that we've never seen before, so you may have to do things that we have never seen before. And for me, if I'm the Dolphins, I'm doing exactly what I did uh, last week. I'm starting Tua, and if he struggles, I'm bringing in Fitzpatrick. And we'll have on. to I see. I stay here all day, but you know, we'll, let's move on for time. We'll have to see what happens with that. But to keep the energy flowing here, the Green Bay Packers defeated the Tennessee Titans 40-14. to 14. Did the Packers show last night that they are the most dangerous team in the NFC? Now, fellas, I said to you guys a number of weeks ago that, and on my Twitter as well, that if the Green Bay Packers could clean up their defense – and Mike Pettin could actually call a quality game. And the run defense, the biggest question mark in this entire team the whole year, can clean it up against a good team when it matters down the stretch. This team is dangerous. And I will stand by that because Mike Pettin called a hell of a game last night for once in his damn career with us this year. Shut down the league's most lethal rusher in Derrick Henry, Kenny Clark, Kingsley Kiki were huge. The edges in the Smith Bros were huge in stuffing the run. I mean, Henry, if you want to look at the stats here, the 98 yards, majority of those were garbage time yards. He averaged 4.3 yards a carry when he averages 5.2 on the year, and he had zero touchdowns in a blizzard. You should be knocking guys over if you're Derrick Henry in the cold. Nobody wants to tackle that man, but they did, and they did a great job of it. And from that, we already all know about how lethal the Packers' offense is. I'm going to go ahead and say yes. Right now, as we head into January, the month of January, 
the Packers lock up that one seed and you have to play in the frozen tundra, Lambeau Field with or without fans, this is the most dangerous team to play in the playoffs. I'll let you guys get in here. Um, can you see I'm going to have to respectfully, and this is the key word, respectfully <laughs> disagree with you on this topic. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers or the most dangerous team in the NFC right now. It, is not, it has nothing to do with September. It has nothing to do with October. It has something to do with December. They have been playing their best football as of late. One thing that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have that Green Bay don't have, that a lot of teams in the NFL don't have, is that one-punch power. You know, as Zach could be on his phone right now, it's all good. They have that one-punch power. You know, they, they could come out of nowhere. They could be down by 10 points, 17 points, and then just score in bunches and bunches. And then you're like, oh, wow, we lost the game. I know you know, Kenny C, because your Packers was on the other receiving end of it when they were down 10-0. In didn't week know five. In week five. Yep, week five. Week five, Buccaneers wasn't even playing well back then anyway. So they played better now. But, you know, the, the Packers don't have that, I right, I'm down by 10. I'm down by 17. Can we come back from that? They don't have that. So if they get punched in the mouth, the game is over. The Buccaneers are like the Kansas City Chiefs. They're never out until they out. The Chiefs saw that too. The Chiefs, they was up 20 to zero. Buccaneers almost won the game. Had they stopped um, Pat Mahomes on 38, he did one of those backyard football plays. Mm -hmm. So yesterday, I mean, on Saturday, Brady, 310 yards, no, 348 yards and a, half, and a half with four touchdowns. Even though it was against the Lions with no coach at the stadium, that's backyard football right there. Two weeks ago, they down to the Falcons, and in the blink of an eye, Brady puts up 310 yards and a half against the Falcons. You see Chris Godwin making one-head catches. You see Gronk look like Gronk again. You see Antonio Brown getting back into the offense. They didn't even have Ronald Jones Jr. on Saturday. They had Leonard Fournette. I mean, talented-wise, if you're telling me I want to play this team with a, in a home court with no fans in it, and let's say they have the five seed, they go on the road in the wild card, they beat a Cowboys team if they win. I mean, that's momentum. They have won their last four games, then a wild card, going into the divisional round with the most dominant player in the NFL, in the playoffs, which is Tom Brady to go. Listen, All right, but the then the my rebuttal to that, Leo, my good friend, is, listen, man, last night was 24 degrees in a damn blizzard. If you have to take Tommy Bahama and his Buccaneers that are playing in oh. 70 years in 70 degrees in Tampa – it's not going to bode well for them, my Kenny man. See, can he see my brother? It's not going to bode well. My, bro, I know you've been watching football before this year. Where have Tom Brady played his 10-year career at? New England bro, in the cold. That ain't nothing for Tom Brady. But we're talking about a team he effort. played in New Tampa England. It's not used to Lambeau the, Field. Um, this that, is a team called? effort. You remember the tuck rule? That was in the snow. He, Tom Brady's fine. He know what to do with it. They've been in the Kansas City and won the Brady, championship game. Tom Brady could be fine, but will his team in Tampa Bay, let me, let me emphasize, Tampa Bay, Florida, be ready for Lambeau Field in the playoffs, primetime Raj. Okay, let me throw this at you guys. I actually think that, theoretically, if the Bucks played the Packers in the playoffs, I'm not saying Tampa Bay would win, but I do think that football is all about matchups, and Tampa Bay does create a unique matchup for the Packers. I think the best uh, Tampa Bay has the pass rush to possibly get to Rodgers. But I'll say this, and you know, Tom Brady playing in the cold, we know he can do it, all that. 
But, Will, didn't I tell you like a couple weeks ago that this was going to happen? That the Buccaneers, you look at their schedule, they, they have the Falcons twice, they have the Lions, and all of a sudden we're going to be coming here in week 17 and saying, oh, you know, here come the Bucs, here come the Bucs. I'm still not buying too much stock. I think they do provide a unique matchup with the Packers that could maybe give them trouble. But I'm going to agree with Kenny C. Last night showed me a lot about the Packers and everything they were made of. Because here's the thing, man. I remember saying after that Colt game, it was like, bro, like, I'm not buying stock in this Packer team. They were up 14-3 to three at the half. They were playing great. And all of a sudden, the physicality kicked in, and Indianapolis shut them down. And going to be honest with you, I actually picked the Titans to win last night's game. I didn't know if Green Bay would be able to match up with them physically. And they really proved me wrong. A lot of people criticized Brian Gutekunst in the offseason by picking Jordan Love. But let's face the facts. Aaron Rodgers is about to win the MVP. I think that draft pick has really woken him up. And that is a credit to the uh, Packers front office. All of the free agents that they've brought in over the last couple of years, uh, the Smith brothers, uh, the, the guys they've drafted on defense, they were a big part of last night's win. I really liked uh, Mike Pettin's game plan. Alan Lazard is a really underrated piece uh, to that offense. Their offensive line is elite. And once again, like last night just showed me a lot. The fact that they could beat the Titans, such a physical team that we all thought would be built for a cold weather environment like that did show me a lot. Now, I do think the Lambeau field effect and the bye effect have a lot to do with it. It's going to be hard going into Lambeau with the Packers coming off a bye and beating them. But I think Seattle, the way they uh, have been playing over the last couple weeks, they provide an interesting matchup. And with the Buccaneers, with Brady, you always give them a shot. But I'm uh, going to agree with Kenny C. I think right now the Packers are the team to beat in the NFC. It don't surprise me. Both of y'all agree. But go ahead. Well, Lil, uh, you're going to be mad at me, too, because I'm also joining that bandwagon with them. Zach, <laughs> we never see eye to eye on things, but you said something that caught my attention. When the Green Bay Packers drafted Jordan Love, you know, in this year's draft, I think that right there put a spark in Rogers' ass to really prove a point that, hey, you're really going to sit here and get a rookie out of Utah State to replace me? I think right now he's just playing, you know, with vengeance. You get what I mean? Like, he's showing, like, hey, I can still play at a high caliber you know, no matter what, like, hey, I'm still Aaron Rodgers. Even though he haven't won a Super Bowl since 2010, but I, I feel like this year, like, he's, you know, he's trying to prove a point. Like, he's going to take this Packers team, even though they don't have you no know, good name receivers besides, you know, Devontae Adams. I believe, like, he, he's going to carry this team um, to the playoff and eventually to the Super Bowl. So, and I think right now... One, the, the one Pack- reason why y'all wrong, one reason why all three of y'all is flat out wrong on this topic is that I didn't even get to the defensive side of the ball. Now, I know the Buccaneers' secondary hasn't been as efficient and great as it was in the beginning of the year. But one thing, like I said, they have is that one-punch power. I talked about the offense having the one-punch power. Let me talk about the defense. Shaq Barrett, JPP, and Adama Kinsu, they can sack and cause a fumble. You really, we already know what gives quarterbacks, the opposing team, trouble is being able to get to the quarterback. That's exactly what they can do in the blink of an eye. They can be playing bad the whole game, and then it takes a Shaq Barrett sack and fumble, give Tom Brady back the ball, and let Tom Brady throw it to his weapons that he has on the outside. See, but this is still, Lil, this is still a team that even you described as dysfunctional on offense in terms of – Not anymore. But what I see – They have a real identity in playing the Falcons and the Lions. I don't hold much stock. And a bear win – a barely a win against the Vikings – I don't hold much stock in what their offense has done against the crappy teams as see, of late. See, Kenny, see, you got to watch the games, not the schedule. I the do schedule, watch the games. No, you got to watch the games and not the schedule. Three of those games. The games is different. The, when, you watch, when you watch the games, you can see the um, camaraderie getting better. All right, fine. They played the Lions. They played the Bears. But these are reps. 
no matter how you want to look at it, well, they, oh, they, they're not a good team. These are reps. They need that continuity. They need that chemistry. So whether or not you're playing a JV squad, you're still getting those reps that you didn't get. So now they're looking more in sync. Now, momentum here. Let's not underestimate momentum. Well, not, they can carry those reps well, well, and momentum well, in the this. playoffs. Well, let me ask you this. And I think when you look at Tampa Bay, they did play really well against Detroit. Their offense has looked much better. But I'm going to ask you this straight up. Do you trust Bruce Arians as a coach right now to win multiple playoff games? Because I don't. Well, listen, for, straight up, they have been improving. So they have been getting better. It's the stuff that I called out on the show, the running game, Got better. Leonard Fournette, they won the football. Ronald Jones, before he got hurt, won the football. So everything that I called out Bruce Arians has gotten better. Now, when he stick with it, I have to see it with my own two That's eyes. Exactly. I, I, exactly. I think when, when Arizona team to the NFC championship at one point, let's not forget that. So I do, Lil, I'm going to you know, back you up on this. I do think Bruce Arians could, you know, take the Buccaneers team to the NFC championship. Yeah, but like I said, Brady Charles, has been here before. Trust we me, also... We also, what has Aaron Rodgers done well, in the big moment outside of that one year? About, we're talking about the Bucks and, and how well they've done. But last night showed me that if Patton can call that type of game and control Derrick Henry, the best running back in the league, hands down, up for an MVP right now. They control Okay, and the Buccaneers have the number one they shut defense down, in the league. Just letting the, you know that right now. They too. shut down one of the best offenses in the league. They averaged 31 points a game. They put up 14, two mere scoring drives. Can you see? And they you shut down Henry. offense the entire game. If Tannehill doesn't have a play action, the offense you is see? You, you close to the Titans. You watch the Titans probably second most out of the Packers because your boy's a Titans fan. You know if you Fair. stop Derrick Henry, the game is over. The Buccaneers, just like how Green Bay did last night, the Buccaneers had the number one ranked rush defense in the NFL. They can do the same thing too. Right, so but I'm my, not impressed. But I'm talking about I'm talking about Green Bay individually for a team that struggled so much the entire year in stopping the run. Everybody I know, everybody I know on social media, this is going to be a feast. Henry's going to destroy them. The Packers are done, and they went out and they made a statement. This was a statement game in the biggest time to have a statement. Right before the playoffs, right before January the bucket, football. Like I said, the bucket and if we made lock up the one too. seed, hey, but hold on a second. No, there's no doubts that the frozen tundra is a is a hard ass place to play. No, no doubt. Play but here, here's the thing, and I actually told Kenny C this before the game last night, right? I said that I actually put the Buccaneers and the Packers in a little bit of a similar category. This is before last night's game. If you realized it, since the Packers lost to the Colts, have they been playing great football? Yes. But you look at their schedule. It wasn't against the greatest competition. And I think when you look at what they were able to do last night, that just showed me a lot. The fact that they were able to rise up in that setting against a team that we all thought they didn't match up well against really impressed me. As for Tampa Bay, Will, you may be right. You could you may be right in terms of like, oh, the offense is just clicking on all cylinders, but I just have a very hard time forgetting everything you said on this show a couple weeks ago about Bruce Arians and the camaraderie of the team and the exact direction they're going in. I have a hard time forgetting about those thoughts just based on a couple wins against the Lions and the Falcons. If Tampa Bay wants to show me that, I would even want to see them, if that uh, happened in the uh, first game, uh, whoever wins the NFC East, if they're down 7 nothing, 10 nothing, and Bruce Arians says, all right, we're going to stick with the running game and not have Tom Brady throw the ball 50 times, I think that would kind of raise Tampa Bay's uh, stock and my confidence in them. I haven't seen that yet. I'm not ready to change my opinion based on wins against the Falcons and Lions, even though they were in very impressive. The Packers, on the other hand, their win last night against a very good Titans team really showed me a lot. 
when you read the question, right, it's not saying who's the best team in the NFL. Let's get that straight. It's saying who's the most dangerous team. And I don't exactly. see a team more dangerous than the Buccaneers right now with three Pro Bowl wide receivers and Mike Evans and, and Chris Godwin and Gorkowski. Who are you going to cover? No, the team that can mainly match up with them, it might not even make the playoffs. And but that's the Rams. How long have been saying that the whole the season? Oh, the Bucs have the most talented team in the league. The Saints how far has that gotten you, bro? Like, <laughs> it has a 10-win ten, ten season, 11-win season coming up. Right? Yeah, yeah. The Saints won the Saints NFC South. Okay, the Packers won the We get caught up in that media hysteria. All right, as usual, we get caught up in that media hysteria. All right. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not buying the same side. I'm done. I'm done buying the same side. Pack them up. Pack them up. Pack them up. Damn, I'm talking about the game that they played, the Buccaneers against the Saints, was a blowout, and every one of those so-called weapons was blocked up. A lot of people showed me their true colors and their knowledge of the offense and how the Simpsons won in the In the game against the Lions. All right. Any guy with common knowledge for four cents knows you don't, take, you don't take three, four, five players, put them on the same team, and tell them one. It has to be a systematic continuity, you know, connection that has to gel. And we're seeing that gel right now. But you know what? It doesn't shock me. That I, you know, Zach disagreed with me because that's how it is in every show. And it doesn't <laughs> surprise me that you are on the side of your Packers either. So, you know what? We might as well move on to the next. I time. mean, you're on the side of your Bucks, so let's not overlook that. But it is next it is. topic here, fellas, to keep this show moving on, we have who's more disappointing yesterday? The loss to the Brown, the loss of the Browns to the Jets, or the Colts losing to the Steelers? Wow, this is a really tough question. I think there are two possible answers. You know, I can see either way. But for me, I'm going to have to go with the Browns. Like, man, I understand your receivers were hurt. I understand the Jets have been playing some really good football. But, like, come on. You're playing with your playoff lives on the line. And to be honest, like, I've been a huge Kevin Stefanski guy. He's done a phenomenal job this season. But at the same time, man, his play calling cost Cleveland yesterday. You know that Baker Mayfield isn't going to be doing his best when he's throwing the ball 50 times, especially with no wide receivers. They weren't able to establish the run game. Their offensive line was super banged up. And in a year like this in 2020, where the AFC is so good and so hard to win in, like you need every win you could get, especially in week 16, when you're fighting for the playoffs with uh, your life on the line. I would say the Browns are a little bit more of the disappointing team here. But I'll say this about the Colts, man. Like, that loss could be much more costly because now they are going to need to beat Jacksonville and get some help in order to make the playoffs. And they had that game one, man. It was 24-7. Everyone was writing the Steelers off, and I don't know what happened to that defense. So I'll be clear on this. That was a really disappointing effort from both teams, but I'll just come back to the narrative of if you can't beat the Jets, do you really belong to, in the playoffs? Yo, yo, Cam, I just want to jump. I'm going I'm to kind of switch the rules a little bit. And jump in here because this is a monumental moment, y'all. I actually agree with Zach here. All right. The um, Browns, <laughs> the Browns has the best running back duo in the NFL. So when I heard the news that they was not going to have 40 wide receivers, yeah, it was a laughable, laughable moment. I even seen, you know, social media videos of Baker Mayfield throwing the ball and catching it himself. And, you know, it's he, he, he's funny. But I said they have two running backs, the best running back duo. So they should be able to beat the daggone Jets. When you think about the Jets only ranking um, 14 in rush defense and didn't have Quentin Williams, I thought they would have been able to feast on the running game. And you mean to tell me you only rushed for 45 yards, which is the worst of the season against the New York Jets? That was a pure mess right there. Kevin Stefanski lost his eggs. 
that might cost him coach of the year because that was god awful. You know Baker Mayfield is not going to sit in the pocket and deliver the football accurately 50 times, you know, so it's not going to happen. Baker Mayfield looked flat out there. Those two fumbles, I am very disappointed in the Browns here. We got less than a minute, so Kenny C and Cam, hold on to that thought. See you guys yes, on sir. Man, I'm just going to keep it short and simple. Gentlemen, I'm more disappointed in the Browns losing to the Jets. Kevin Stefanski, bring that ass here, boy. Why the hell will you make Baker Mayfield throw 53 times yesterday? Zero touchdowns. And I say two costly turnovers, especially the fourth um, the fourth and one on the on the QB sneak. Baker Mayfield, you have to do a better job at that in protecting the football. Uh, eventually, you cost your team the game. That's when the game you cost your team a, a chance in making the playoff. Flat out, I think we're all uh, unanimously on the same boat here. The Browns, man, you're in a three-way tie now, 10-5. and five. You had, up until this week, if the Steelers had lost and you had won, you would have took sole possession of the damn division. So you should have been playing your damn hearts out that entire game, even if it is the Jets. I think they took the Jets way too lightly, which they shouldn't have, being as they beat the damn Rams, and they did so with big success like they control that entire game so if I'm the Browns I'm coming into this game taking no risks and I'm blowing the Jets out the Jets played great you can't deny that but the Browns should have played better you're a playoff caliber team and you caught an L to the New York Jets that's all that's all you got to know and you're trying to make the playoffs and go well make the playoffs yeah and go deep into it you can't have that happen that's a big mishap Indianapolis Colts man I'm not done. I'm not done with them, man. They think they're gonna get off the hook here. They not. They not getting off the hook either. Indianapolis Colts, bring that ass here, boy. Bring that ass here, boy. Okay. First of all, you were up 24 to seven against the Pittsburgh Steelers, the TikTok boys. That's what I call them, the TikTok boys, the, the, the dudes that always want to be in the locker room in the field making TikToks before the game. You lost to them clowns. You should be absolutely ashamed of yourself to be up in that game. They just lost to the daggone Bengals, who only won two games this whole year, and then you're going to blow a lead, and now you put yourself in a predicament where you have to win this week. You should be ashamed too, so I'm not letting you off the hook either. Yeah, and also now they don't even control their own destiny. I think that's the big key. If Indianapolis would have won yesterday and beaten Jacksonville, they would have made the playoffs. But now, oh, yeah. especially after blowing that 24-7 to lead, they're going to need help. And it's crazy. When you look at the AFC right now, Baltimore, they're in a winning in situation. Cleveland, uh, it's looking like Pittsburgh next week is going to be resting their starters, most of them. So they're in a winning uh, urine situa situation. Same with Miami. So if those mm -hmm. three teams, along with Tennessee, wins, then Indi even if Indianapolis does beat Jacksonville, they're not making it, which has to be a tough uh, pill to swallow. Yeah, I mean, listen, man, on behalf of the Steelers, when when Juju did that crap against the Bills, Tomlin should have took him aside like a father-son talk and said, listen, son, you need to delete TikTok off of your phone and be about damn football. <laughs> and for once, he didn't make a TikTok before the Colts game. So maybe, maybe that was the omen. Maybe that helped him out. But nonetheless, if you're as tip-top, of a defense as the Indianapolis Colts, you cannot let this lackluster-looking offense beat you down a stretch in one of the biggest games of your season. That's just a total bust. But moving on, moral, fellas, I think moral, we've back on both these teams, Fair. Moral of the story before we move <laughs> on, if you want to be on tip-top, get off TikTok. Let's get it. <laughs> and with that, we will move to a very rough – very rough situation for this young man. Reactions to Dwayne Haskins 
and his behavior and the fact that he is now cut off of the Washington football team. Wow. When I read that article today and the Washington football team released Dwayne Haskins, I was shocked, but I believe that they did the right move. I'm going to say why. I believe, you know, one thing about Ron, you know, Ron Rivera, you know, he doesn't take crap from nobody. And, you know, Dwayne Haskins, you know, the week before that, he went to a strip club wearing no mask at that. And, you know, you already bring in protocol and you already like, you know, you already got your captain, your captaincy removed off you. So it's like, dang. And now, you know, yet in yesterday's game, he came in there, throw two interceptions, got benched by a four-string quarterback. And, you know, for your behavior, how like you left the media after the game yesterday, that was that was unacceptable. You know, I believe I believe right now Washington did the right move. You know, you know, they're moving forward, they're not looking back from this. You know, they gave this guy too many chances. You know, he won the starting quarterback job in the beginning of the season. Unfortunately, he struggled, you know, got benched, you know, for um um, Brendan Allen. Brendan Allen got hurt. Of course, they put in Alex Smith. Smith got hurt. So, you know, they gave him another chance to shine. But fortunately, he felt to do the simple things on and off the field. So I believe the Washington football team did the right thing in releasing Dwayne Haskins. Yeah. One thing, one thing I want to say uh, about Dwayne Haskins here, man, is that when I look at Dwayne Haskins, I see a guy that doesn't have his priorities intact. I see a guy that want to have fun and want to enjoy the brighter side of life instead of like focusing on his career and that can that you know the nfl has a code of ethics you know and they have rules and obviously in a pandemic the rules are to look out for your teammates by wearing masks when you go out to social gatherings and matter of fact that's not the only the nfl rule that's a daggone in the united states worldwide rule right now at this point in time and Dwayne Haskins, like i said priorities we remember a couple years ago, at the end of the daggone football game, he's supposed to take a knee. He out there taking a selfie. Your backup quarterback had to come in for you and, um, you know, take the knee. And you think he want to be called on the football field just to do that? And it's just stuff like that is that, you know, this guy doesn't have his priorities intact. And I'm just like, man, you had a guy, a head coach that just beat cancer, just battled cancer. You want to go to a daggone party with hoochie mamas, come back, bring something to your team. There's an outbreak, and then Ron Rivera gets sick again. He's at risk. So it's like, you know, the inconsiderate, he's being very inconsiderate. And unfortunately, it's not like the brother was talented enough for all this outside stuff to blow over and be on a hush hush. It's out there now. He wasn't good on the football field. You threw two interceptions. You, you threw two interceptions. What are you doing at the strip club, my brother? What are you doing at the strip club when you just threw two interceptions? You should be wanting to get better. And that's priorities. Yeah, man. He's. He's clearly having his Manziel moments right now, and I really hope he doesn't become full Manziel and just the off-the-field antics ruin his career. And, you know, this isn't the first time with the COVID, with the COVID um, breaking protocol. Earlier in the season, he had that family friend come to the hotel and was fine for that. So it's like you had multiple shots on the football field to start for your team and multiple shots off the field to get it right. And – you know, I'll say this. Ron Rivera made, you know, a great quote on the matter. Sometimes you have to go through hard knocks. Sometimes you have to hit rock bottom before you can dig your way back out of it. Sometimes a change helps. With Dwayne, it's what have you learned and what are you going to take from these experiences that are going to help you grow and get better? And that's really, he just hit the nail right on the head because wherever Dwayne ends up, he's got to clean all this up and really focus on football because like you guys are saying, performance-wise, this fella does not have 
the accolades by any means to be doing what he's doing right now, especially in times when you can't be scoring around. So, you know, I'm a believer in, in overall big second chances because he's had many with this team. So I do believe if he cleans it up, give the man a shot. But he's really got to he's really got to change things. If you man. could give a man a second chance for torturing dogs, he can get a second. Exactly. Chance. Yeah, one thing I'll say is I'm just so disappointed in this whole situation, man. Like, usually when you have a situation like this, a guy in Dwayne Haskins, former first-round pick, that, let's face it, as you guys said, he's had many different opportunities to succeed. And I do think that this year, in this situation, if he was ever going to succeed, this was going to be it. Guys, like, you realize if Washington wins yesterday, they clinch the division. And we're looking at this guy in a totally new light. If he would have played well, we could have said, okay, you really like how this guy really struggled last year, struggled for a bunch this season but was able to come back and rebound and here's my other issue you guys hit it on the head he goes to the strip club and you see Ron Rivera when he's asked about it in all of his press conferences he was not happy but ultimately the Washington football team as a squad realized look Alex Smith is hurt what does it say to the other 52 guys in the locker room if we're gonna cut Dwayne Haskins and start uh, Taylor Heineke a quarterback a guy who's never had any look at the offense but I think after yesterday they didn't have a choice like this guy literally screwed up multiple times and then yesterday that's football 101 you lose a game like that the starting quarterback talks to the media that's literally a rule and this guy just dips it's just super unfortunate as you guys said he doesn't have his priorities straight and once again it would have been such a cool story to see a guy with talent I think we could all agree he has it come back onto the field and lead this team to the division because the problem is it's not like Carolina played well yesterday I think the reason why uh, they won that game was just because Washington sucked and a lot of that had to do with their quarterback and uh I think it was a decision that had to be made. And it's crazy because we had late Lewis Jr. on the show um, the day before this news broke out. So it was like we was talking about the culture and how Ron Rivera got there and changed the culture of the Washington football team. You know, they got their guys that want to win, that play for each other. It's a brotherhood. And to have a guy come out and mess that up, you know, when you were on your way of winning a daggone division that was up Mm -hmm. for grabs, it has to be, you know, it has to be a problem. And I'm glad they got rid of him. Listen, I went to Catholic school for high school. I know if I didn't follow the rules, my ass was going to be out of here if I, my grades wasn't up to par and if I didn't, you know, if I misbehaved. So I had to deal with that. I had to learn how to behave. Well, I always was a good, chip, a good child. But I had to do what I had to do. And Dwayne Haskins, obviously, just wasn't a good fit. So now you got to hope that you get another opportunity and you seize the opportunity and you seize the moment. Yeah, man. Just one last thing, you know, like Zach said, in the biggest moment when he could have went out there and showed, all right, I'm about football. Let's do this. I'm about this action. Let's win this division. You know, things will be much different, but he just did not play well at all. And it ultimately cost him with all the antics that he's been up to, but good luck to him in the future, man. Hopefully he finds a new fit. And real quick, ladies and gentlemen, you good. You know, even though it's the last month of the year, even though 2020 was a shit show year, just no matter what, man, moving forward to 2021, let's have this optimism that things will get better. Things will get better down the line. You know, have faith, have hope. No matter what, continue to practice social distancing, wear your mask, and be safe out there. Cam Jones said all that needs to be said to end the show. That wraps up episode 83. Thank you guys for listening. All right, boys. I'll see you soon.
Uh, real quickly here, man, like and subscribe to the daggone channel, man. Yep. You know, I keep on singing it. We want to build this platform out there so Kenny C don't have to go to work for, you know, how many hours <laughs> of the day he has to go to work. So Cam don't have to work hard. So me and Zach don't have to find other stuff to do. We want to be able to keep on putting our content. And the only way we're going to be able to do that, because we do have to bring in some revenue, is if we get this platform out there. So like and subscribe. And once again, feel the vibe. All right. Yes, boys. sir. Talk to you guys soon. Peace.